and welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed. We are here talking about the free agent frenzy, and I say we because Mr. Walter Lukashevsky has made a trek from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, specifically for this. Wally, how the hell are you, bud? Very excited to be back in Columbus. It's great to do an in-person show again. It's really good because we kind of get to build off each other a little bit, where when you're doing this through online or Skype or whatever, it's kind of tough because you're almost like a second behind. So it's good to get the rapport. As for free agency, we have a lot to talk about today. But before that, I got to tell you real quick, didn't get to go out golfing like I wanted to. So I had a lot of time to watch Ohio State hoops this weekend, push the entire Big Ten Conference to the brink until like the last five minutes of games. We won't talk about the near collapses, but very excited going into the tournament. And your Syracuse Orange even made it as an 11 seed where a couple weeks ago, people like me, I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell they'd even be playing in this. So I guess, how are you doing? Are you fired up to see how you do it? It's Michigan State you guys play, I think? Hell no, we're playing San Diego State. San Diego And I like the matchup. They are not a high-scoring team. Rebounding is something they are not good at, which is Syracuse's Achilles heel. They can score the ball. Buddy Beheim is starting to heat up here a little bit. He's averaging about uh, 29 games in the ACC tournament. Granted, it's only two games. Don't care. That's 30 points one game, 27 the other. Eh, I'm a little off on the math here, Wally, but that's why we're doing the podcast and not a mathematician is that what they're called yeah. don't know don't care what is even that what is that job like what is a mathematician i still don't really know what they do as far as i'm concerned you're supposed to just be really good with numbers and then marry one of your cousins at the age of like 13 them well it's kind of like i always imagine uh, that, i mean that's what I, that's what albert einstein was doing i don't, I don't want to speak for every mathematician but i'm pretty sure there's a correlation of underage marriages well, it's that. like in 300 where leonidas has to go see the oracle and the oracle's just like up on a mountain they haven't seen like the daylight. They're all kind of like deformed and stuff. And then their sole purpose is to wait until the king comes and asks if they should go to war or not. It's like, what did mathematicians do? They just sit around and hope someone says, hey, man, I don't know how to do the square root of 144. You got that for me? And then they just make something up and they're like, yeah, it's uh, it's 12 just for shits and gigs. Except it is 12. It is? <laughs> Maybe I should be a mathematician. You were talking about this little king on their hill, essentially climbing up on the hill. Tom Brady, the king himself, looks like they're going to be staying up on that hilltop for quite some time. If any team was making a, I wouldn't even say a free agency splash, just making sure to get all their key pieces back, Tampa Bay did it. They re-signed Tom Brady for an extension through 2022, but can also be four years as well. Voidable after a couple We'll go into it. There's a lot of confusion between the restructuring of contracts, contracts in general, the extensions. We'll dig in a little bit deep, but Shaq Barrett coming back for a four-year 72 mil. Gronk back on one for 10 mil. Potential of Ndamukong Sue coming back. Obviously, Chris Goblin got the franchise tag, as well as they got Levante David the back here in our, in our episode previous. I don't think that there will be a Super Bowl hangover. It's a Tom Brady-led team. He never really has Super Bowl hangovers. But they are coming back fully loaded. Herbie fully loaded, I should say. How do you think the Bucs are handling this offseason? Obviously, they're Super Bowl contenders. But, like I said, do you think that there could be a Super Bowl hangover this year? I don't think there will be a Super Bowl hangover. Like you said, Tom Brady, he's somebody that doesn't take off days. He wins. He has avocado tequila, gets hammered on a boat for one day, and it's back to work. And it sounds like that's what he's been doing. Everybody's coming back. That is part of the front office. But it's also part of the culture that Tom Brady has brought in. And here's a crazy thing I saw the other day about that stat. Tom Brady is the first ever Tampa Bay quarterback to sign a second contract with the team. How insane is that? I literally had to Google it. I'm like, that can't be real. Josh Freeman, no. Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson's no. the only one I would think that would be doing it. But they're all just one-and-done contractors. Jameis Winston obviously makes sense. It was insane. I, I encourage you to go look it up. Fact check me. But it is, when I read it, I'm like, that's not true. And then I started going through it. I'm like, oh, my God. They've only had quarterbacks for like three or four years at a time, if that. So, but anyway. Gee, I wonder why they haven't uh, haven't been to the Super Bowl in a while. Yeah, They're no only a kidding. couple in their whole franchise history. Gee, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. And it will, but going back to what I guess your original point or question was for me, is I'd be really fired up if I am a Bucs fan right now for the simple fact that, 
You come off that emotional high of winning a Super Bowl, it's really easy for players to go, you know what, I got my ring, I'm going to go get paid now. Instead, this team, they love the culture there, they love the team that they've built on both sides of the ball, and you have people like Gronk, who was retired two years ago, saying, you know what, screw it, I'm going to run it back with you again. They're finding money, they're being creative with contracts, so this is a, a full franchise effort. It's not only the team, it's not only the players, it's the front office as well. I'd be fired up if I'm a Bucks fan and very good chance that we're talking about a repeat potentially come next February. Oh, you're actually going to jump on the Bucks bandwagon this year instead of dogging me the whole year. Give it until like August. And then when I start doing my picks, I'll completely abandon ship again. No pun intended, but I will be picking the Bucks until that point where naturally I'll get the endorphins going and the Raiders are going to go 16 or 17 and 0, depending about that schedule. Yeah. So we're going to keep it moving on here. So we're going to go to Tom Brady's old team, the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick is going off this offseason. I guess that's, uh, that's that's some pretty bad wordplay. They re-signed Cam Newton to a one-year, $14 million deal. Take a seat. They got a lot of accus- ac- accu. Accusations. 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 There we go. They, they've already had accusations in the past. Now they're getting accus. Accus. Uh, they're getting uh, free agents signed here. Well, if we're talking accusations, we were just talking about Antonio Brown's former team. That's something to bring up. Oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely not the Raiders. Well, he is a former Raider. Ra- Raider legend Antonio Brown. You you would know well. You're the one who purchased the jersey and then put put businesses booming on the back. Yeah, I had the booming nameplate right on the back, made in paper. I was ready for those preseason games, and then he was gone, just like that. So obviously, we know Trent Brown traded from Las Vegas to New England. New England goes on to sign tight end Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. They got Matt Judon, outside linebacker, mm-hmm. a little bit of edge rush protection. I well edge rush. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, wide receivers. Las Vegas, and then San Francisco is Kendrick Bourne. Jalen Mills, a cornerback from Philadelphia. Devon. Oh, God, Chuck. Thank you. I you were no pointing at me. I, was, I wasn't sure what we were going for. The X's really throw me off, you know. Uh, then they got Henry Anderson to, to wrap it all up. And then don't forget about Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, two of their defensive players that sat out last year. And then there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, rumors circulating with possibly a Kyle Van Noy reunion here since he just got recently released by the Miami Dolphins. To put this in perspective, the last 10 years in free agency for New England, they spent roughly around $360 million. First three hours on Monday, they spent $146 million. My goodness. So, Wally, we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier last week. Did we think that this Trent Brown trade could potentially be the first domino to fall in a large offseason for New England? Absolutely does. It's just a legal tampering period. We don't even have the rest of the players that they could sign once free agency starts on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Out of all of these, what? well, obviously, what do you think about New England's offseason here thus far, a day and a half in, almost two days in? And is there a particular player that really stuck out to you that you thought was a great signing or just made you kind of scratch your head there? Well, a couple quick things real quick is Stephen just brought it up. The league year hasn't technically started, so be careful. You might have a DeAndre Jordan situation out there still just because on paper these guys have agreed they don't put pen to paper till tomorrow. So if you wake up, every single one of these guys could in theory have changed their mind and be with a different team. So keep that in mind. But otherwise, it comes off to me like Bill Belichick is very aware that Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl. And it comes off to me like... Bill is trying to get at least one more to match that. I think he's also in the twilight of his career. It's easy to remember that players are, hey, Brady's 43 or whatever he is. He's about at the end. We don't usually think about that way for coaches. We kind of just assume they're going to be there forever. Belichick, he's getting old. Late 60s, he doesn't have a ton of like roadway left himself. I think this shows he's getting much more aggressive than he has. We'll see how it works. This isn't what they usually do, so it's going to be interesting. Now, if you asked me what my favorite move was for New England so far, I'm going to kind of deal with double tandem here. John U. Smith and Hunter Henry bringing in the top two tight ends off of this free agent tight end cycle is very obscure, and it's not something you see all the time. This is also coming off a year where 
New England last year drafted two tight ends. This may be a situation where they are just quickly writing a wrong, so to speak, where they're like, you know what? We really liked these guys last year. They're not quite fitting the way we thought they would. And we're going to try to correct that now. So now you have Cam Newton, who's going to not only have two tight end targets here, you also bring in a couple wide receivers that you might go into detail in a little bit. One of them you've heard me talk about plenty this last year in Nelson Aguilar. But these two tight ends, they're neither of them are particularly great blockers. So when we have been hearing people do the, wow, the Patriots are trying to run back the Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski offense, it's not really like that. I would say a poor man's yeah. Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, you know, minus the whole murder mishap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost said allegedly. That's not true. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, yeah, yeah, it happened. It, yeah. Yeah. A it's, couple times, actually. Yeah, 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 that's rough. Not proud of that. Uh, but, yeah, this is one of those situations where this can be a really fun pass offense if Cam Newton can get back to his previous self, maybe with another offseason, kind of take a deep breath get retrained, hopefully get that shoulder strength back. If that happens in this system, there's a lot of guys with skill after they get the ball in their hand. I mean, Janu had, what, I think seven yards average yard after catch this last year or close to it. The guy's incredible. He's a monster. Both of those guys, you would expect to get probably a little bit more targets than they were getting in LA or in Tennessee respectively because obviously Derrick Henry's taken up all the load there and he had a rookie quarterback this past year. I like those two moves the most. It makes sense to me that they're going to try to revamp that offense. I guess now for you, are you going to stick on the offense side of the ball or are you going to flip over to some of those defensive moves that they made? I'm going to have to stick with the offensive side of the ball because defense they typically have locked up. That's Bill Belichick's bread and butter. You know that he will have them playing regardless of who is on, you know, the 11 that he has on that side of the ball. Um, We'll stick with the receivers, basically. Uh, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Now, Nelson Aguilar had a a career year last year with your Raiders, 896 uh, yards with eight touchdowns. He finally got a little bit of a payday. He's been getting a lot of hate, but what Nelson Aguilar are we getting? Are we getting Philadelphia, Nelson? Are we going to get the uh, Las Vegas Aguilar? That's a pretty sweet name. What What is an Aguilar? That'd be a sweet mascot. It's like, yeah, we're the Vegas Aguilars. Sounds like an antelope fucked an alligator, and now it's just walking the face of the earth. See, earlier today when I was looking into this stuff, I saw his middle name, and it's like a 10-letter like word starting with E. I'm not sure because apparently – he was born in Nigeria and didn't move over here until he was five. I never knew that. But his middle name stands for May My Name Not Be Forgotten, which was really fitting a couple years ago because Philadelphia was not letting anybody forget his name. Hopefully he gets more of the Vegas treatment in New England. But it, that is yet to be seen. It's an entirely different offense. Well, with Nelson and Kendrick Bourne now, New England needs a number one, a true number one receiver. But it feels like we just have a bunch of role players that they have here. You got Nelson Aguilar still proving himself. Kendrick Bourne, yeah, you're he was in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Anyone can look really good with that or in that offense. And, you know, he had a decent year, even though we didn't really have anyone throwing to him. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. This team is very speedy, though. Now, obviously, to kind of your point, the two tight ends that they have here, now all the Cam Newton chatter is about to heat up again. He's going to have a full offseason with the Patriots this time. He's got you know, arguably two of the top six or seven tight ends outside of your board, uh, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and Kittle, you put these guys right next to him. You know, of course, my guy, Robert Tanyan. <laughs> but Cam Newton, as much of a Cam Newton hater as I am, this could be a really, really good year for him because where did he thrive? When he got Greg Olson. He made Greg Olson, what, three, four, five thousand yard seasons consecutively? So he loves using his tight ends. John, who loves, he's a great blocking tight end, obviously helped Derrick Henry get to 2,000 rushing yards this past year. And, you know, 15, 1,600 yards a year prior. That's all. So this offense is going to be fun. We know that they they are very, I wouldn't say run-heavy offense, but they are not scared to run the ball, Mm -hmm. especially when you have Cam Newton as the quarterback. And then you got, like I said, you got the defense coming back. Seemingly like they're getting it together between Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, you got their other cornerback, Jackson, who had a great rookie year. He had like six or seven interceptions. And then you have Jalen Mills as your third guy. Jalen Mills does not stand out to me. He's more of a pocket knife, 
pocket knife? No. Um, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I know with like eight different he, things. He, he's basically like your Swiss Army knife in the defense where he plays a lot of any DB or any secondary position where he could potentially just fall into the free safety, which is which is his strong suit. So that defense is going to be something we can watch, and maybe Buffalo is going to have a run for their money. Well, and kind of your point, sorry to mean to interrupt you here. No, you're good. And to your point that Bill Belichick's loading up for another Super Bowl, Bill Belichick has eight Super Bowls to Tom Brady seven. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely not trying to have Tom Brady tied with him. He head wants to one up coach, him. head coach. That's the difference, though. You don't feel the same when you're an assistant coach. It doesn't count the same, it doesn't feel like. Yeah, but when he's leading that defense with Lawrence Taylor. Like, do you think Eric Bieniemy walks into a bar with his one ring and he's standing next to the other coaches, like head coaches, with one ring, and he's just like, "Hey, guys, crazy that we all coached a Super Bowl team, huh?" It's different when he's running that offense with Pat Mahomes makes it look good. Now, granted, anyone can run. I could run that offense and make Pat Mahomes look good. So, yeah. Fun stat though, real quick that you just mentioned, Jalen Mills. Though I thought it was really cool earlier that he was the only player in the entire league last year. To play 50-plus snaps from seven different positions. That goes for both sides of the ball. Obviously, in offense, it's going to be tough. Like, what are you going to do? Have an H-back, be a, a tackle, and then get running back and wide receivers? It doesn't make sense. But you're right. He Him going to safety would make a lot of sense. People in Philadelphia kind of got to see him be burnt toast a lot in a slot or on the outside. But when he made that change... I mean, who knows? It looks like they have something to build on there. The guy doesn't lack confidence. The guy dyed his hair green as a seventh-round pick in his rookie camp. The guy's going to be one of those guys that's going to – he's going to show up. He's going to bring that energy. He's going to bring that little bit of swagger to him. And I think that's going to be something that with this defense, you can use a guy like that, and I think that's really exciting. Now on to my favorite team, well, my least favorite team, but they made a, they made a great move today, and I loved it. The Chicago Bears almost look like they're imploding right now. They're going to let Mitch Trubisky walk. Allen Robinson got franchise tagged. This man has, quote, zero plans, uh, end quote, to, be, to sign that franchise tag. And on top of that, they just signed Andy Dalton to a nice one-year $13 million contract. With the said Chicago Bears. Now, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, and their offensive lineman, Cody Whitehair, had restructured their deals to get Chicago from negative 19.2 in the red, just about $3.5 million in the green. Then they go out and sign Andy Dalton. So, Wally, what the hell is Chicago doing? There's been so many rumors that they, they are just going balls to the wall to trade for Russell Wilson. Seattle has just finally came out that they are not trading Russell Wilson to Chicago. Looking like they're just a complete disaster more than they usually have been. What do you think about this Andy Dalton signing? I know you love the Red Rocket and just Chicago in general as an organization this offseason. Now, I'm going to try to play devil's advocate because obviously you're very anti-bear. So I'm going to try my best to to put on my Windy City coat here for a second and pretend I'm a Bears fan. You're a fucking loser. Well, yeah, I, I guess I'm wearing the coat now. I'm from Illinois. So, yeah, I guess I am. But Illinois, right? Well, see, see I'm, I'm a little bitter still because they, they beat the Buckeyes on Sunday. I had Ohio State won. I probably wouldn't hate them as much, but I'm a little pissed off. But that's okay. And they haven't been that good since like Darren Williams went there in like 02. Dude, all right. Well, I'll tell you guys right now since we're doing this, they're my pick to win the national championship wow. this year. I, I will say, I think, I think the Big Ten is going to have the champion this year. Well, there's four different regions that have a legitimate team that can go to the Final Four. I mean, you have Ohio State. In the top right, I don't know what freaking one. They're all in Indianapolis this year, so it doesn't matter. But the top right bracket, their only real competition you would imagine is going to be either Purdue or Baylor. Then you go to the other side. Iowa's most likely going to have to deal with Gonzaga. Michigan and Illinois, on the other hand, they, in theory, are the best team in their region. So who knows? You might see three Big Ten teams in the Final Four. We got a little sidetracked there. But it's that, not, that's it's not unheard of. No, that that's kind of what we do. But going back to being a Chicago Bears fan for a second, you you already mentioned, I like Andy Dalton for what he is. You pay a guy like him $13 million, you're not married to him as your quarterback, and it's a one-year deal. So guys out there, you Bears fans, this isn't something to panic about. This is a setback right now because you're clearly not a destination for a lot of people. The fact that Russell Wilson really wanted to go there was exciting. It gave you a glimmer of hope. And who, who's to say? I know they said no today to the deal, 
But I'm not going to con- completely say that Chicago turns off the idea of talking to Seattle going forward. Just to check in here and there. If things start slow in Seattle next year, who knows? Maybe they give them a call. And if you don't, their team's not going to be good enough. You're going to be in a position to draft a quarterback next year because, frankly, you're not going to be very good. And the simple fact that Andy Dalton's sexier to the eye than a Mitch Trubisky is going to be. So maybe that that went right into my mind. I'm like, okay, well, maybe not even a sign sign and trade, but almost like that part of the pieces to get him over. What a shitty situation Andy Dalton would be in. But actually, that wouldn't be bad going to going over to uh, Seattle. But with talk about going from the Cowboys O line to the Bears hideous O line, then potentially Seattle's O line. Man, that is not good for the Red Rocket. Now, I have a real question, though. We were talking of, well, I guess you and I weren't talking, but a lot of people had the idea a few years ago when the Chicago Bears traded with the Oakland Raiders at the time for Khalil Mack. It was, we need to bring in an elite. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to cough. Sorry. We need to bring in an elite pass rusher to pair with this young team. The defense was already really good. You just drafted Mitch Trubisky. The idea was, Let's just blow this window wide open. We have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. Let's go win a couple Super Bowls or at least try to win one in that period. Now, what to me, it kind of is starting to look like this team's not going to get it done, period, with Khalil Mack. If I'm the Bears, why not do kind of what the Raiders did four or five years ago? And as much as it hurts to say, why not try to move Khalil Mack and just embrace a potential rebuild? Because right now especially with guys like Allen Robinson that don't want to be back. It doesn't feel like it's a place that the players are very hopeful or excited to even come on and put that Chicago Bear uniform at the moment. Why not take it down and say, you know what, we we swung and we missed. Let's try to see if we can get any assets for Khalil Mack now and try to basically reset next year. Because I really do think the Bears – as much as I like Andy Dalton, he's regressed. This Bears team should be a, a, a very early draft pick next year. Yeah, Andy Dalton went four and five in a replacement for Dak Prescott this year. Um, a little bit under 2,200 yards, 14 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Andy Dalton's never really been great with taking care of the ball. When he does play a full season, the least amount of interceptions that he had was 12. And that was, uh, that was about four years ago with Cincinnati. So the guy is prone to turning it over. Now, when you have a defense like Chicago, you have the ability to, to kind of let that happen because your boy Khalil Mack and the rest of that defense will cause some turnovers to help your offense. But like I said, Andy Dalton's sexier to the eye than Mitchell Trubisky, and he can get it done a little bit better. Not as mobile, which is what Mitch's strong suit was. But I'd put money that Andy Dalton can throw the ball left. Yeah, you see, Andy Dalton, he's competent. It depends on what this team decides what their goal is in the next three to five years for me. If they look in the mirror and they realize the Super Bowl's not in the horizon, I've always been one of the school of thought where I would rather suck really, really bad right now and have a chance to be really, really good in the future like basically go through the desert, find the oasis on the other side, opposed to what some people are a fan of where, you know what, let's just keep swinging kind of the, the Rams philosophy and just keep constantly reloading and pushing off the inevitable rebuild. I don't know. I, I would personally, if I'm a Bears fan, I would root for to acquire assets, whether that's Khalil Mack, whether that's who knows? You get Allen Robinson to sign his franchise tag or, or even better, sign a deal and kind of treat it like a sign-in trade. I think that would be better for everyone involved. But who knows? I know that Adam – it's Adam Alfonso, right? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, Steven's buddy, Adam Alfonso. You'll have to let Steven know what he thinks or what you think. But I would be very interested to see what the front office ultimately decides to do and what direction they decide to take this team going forward. Now, I'll, before we move on to the next one, now with Andy Dalton on here, we'll see what other moves that Chicago will make, but do you think that they're a lock for the wild card? Because obviously Green Bay is going to win that division. That's a whole rebuild. We'll see how Minnesota is going to look. But Chicago will be fighting for potentially that fifth or sixth wild card, obviously the seventh. But do you think that they're a strong wild card team with this addition at quarterback? No, absolutely it's not. It's obviously an upgrade. I mean, there's not you you I don't think you can downgrade compared to what your quarterback play has been here, but see, I don't know how much of an upgrade it really is, honestly, just because 
you go from Dallas where, for better or worse, with the contracts, there's a lot of skill down there. After going from Cincinnati a couple of years ago, you got to see Andy Dalton at the end of the road where he wasn't exactly doing what he had done for most of his career in Cincinnati up to that point. I think that we're definitely on the back nine of his career where he just isn't the same guy anymore. I don't think that this team, not only is they not a lock, I don't think there's a chance. Like, I'm very low on the p- potential of them making the postseason next year. I think that you're going to see probably three teams out of the NFC West. You're going to see the NFC South winner. You're going to see the NFC East winner. And then obviously the Packers because they'll win the NFC North. And then you're looking at six. So who is that seventh team going to be? Here's the crazy thing. You could get a fourth team out of that very strong NFC West. I think that you could see potentially this year with Dak Prescott back, the Washington football team and Dallas both being in the playoffs. I just don't know if there's enough room for Chicago. And like I said, there's a reason why I'm pushing for a full-on rebuild for the Bears. And it's just, you're not going to win Super Bowl with Mitch Trubisky. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton. So what are we doing here? You're treading water. It's like you're an NBA fan. Why? It, it's like when you see teams that are like the the eight seeds. It's kind of like the Portland Trailblazers where, yeah, you have fun players and that's great. But you're never going to win an NBA championship. And you're not bad enough to be in that lottery position to be able to make an immediate impact to make you a potential championship contender in the future. They're stuck in purgatory. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, I am cool with that. I love Chicago being miserable, especially my buddy Adam Alfonso, who was getting a haircut when this news broke. I said, well, I hope you didn't move your head when the trimmers were on because you're going to look ugly, uglier than you already do, my guy. We'll flip it over here to the West Coast. Casey Hayward and Trey Turner cut by the Los Angeles Chargers here. Trey Turner, that one stuck out to me because a year and nine, probably like a year and ten days ago, Trey Turner was involved in a trade from his Carolina Panthers to L.A. in exchange for Russell Okun. So Trey Turner only plays a season. He is a five-time Pro Bowler. Carolina obviously pulled the Bill Belichick, saw the potential of decline in this season. They got way ahead of that, so kudos to them. But Casey Hayward, he's getting a little bit older, but he has been nothing but a stud for the Chargers. Played in 75 of 78 games, Pro Bowler in 16 and 17, as well as second team All-Pro. This move saves around slightly under $10 million for the projected cap hit, which is going to be around $50 million. Casey Hayward, love the dude. Hope he can somehow make it back to Green Bay because that's where he started his career. Always love to watch guys end their career where they started it. The Chargers also go out, sign my guy Corey Lindsley at center to lock up a very, very good center and a veteran player in the locker room for that second-year player, Justin Herbert. What do you think about these uh, these cuts, Corey Lindsley signing, and potentially what this offense or this whole team can be under under a new head coach going into this year? Well, we've seen a lot of bizarre cuts and a lot of bizarre like signings, whether that be – like you got to see today – or today is Tuesday, we're recording a day earlier, that's why if this does come out on Wednesday and there's been a few free agents that we haven't talked about it, you know why. But anyways, you've seen the Raiders today, they released Rodney Hudson. They've released four, or I, I guess traded or released, for their offensive linemen. You're seeing this all over the league. Teams are trying to build a little bit more cap room, so be it. Chargers have quite a bit of it right now. But bringing in Corey Lindsley is a very smart move. You mentioned how he's a veteran presence. He's one of those guys, he's just dependable. He's not going to do anything out there that's going to completely wow you. He's just fundamentally sound at his job. He's not going to, he's going to give up only a couple sacks a year, if that. He's a solid run blocker. And he's also a very good uh, quarterback, so to speak, for that offensive line to call out the blitzes, call out the defensive schemes, call out your own offensive schemes. That's, Something that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily get to see usually from our perspective as fans, but he's invaluable. This is a guy that Green Bay loved, would have loved to have been able to bring him back, just simply wasn't feasible. Now, for the Chargers, I think you're going to see a continued emphasis on their offensive line as you're going to see a lot of teams with young quarterbacks, Cincinnati looking at you, that need to bring offensive linemen in to protect their young stud quarterbacks. Chargers always seems so close to being that team that could potentially make a deep run and just seem to run into whether it be injuries or just 
freak losses. That, I mean, is there a team out there in any sport that loses more heartbreakers than the Chargers? Because it doesn't feel like it. I mean, they, they, talk rule. Talk rule. Well, don't let's not ever talk about that again. What about fail Mary. Okay. Fail, yeah. See, at least we're bringing both of ours now. I feel a little the better. Boss onside kick. The last just nineteen years. What about of the, the miracle. The miracle in Minneapolis. Any playoff game the the Saints have been a part of outside of that as well. Yeah, there's too much heartbreak. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, for sure. This, I, I was excited for the Chargers move to get Lindsley. I'm going to be patient, kind of like I'm being patient with the Raiders to see what the end goal is for the offensive line. But all in all, great signing with Lindsley. And I guess it'll be a team we're going to keep an especially close eye on, or at least I will as a Raiders fan, having to – Look at another team that could be potentially making a wild card push this next year. Yeah, giving you some problems in that division where you seemingly thought that you can have the second second spot locked up, and now you're like, okay, maybe that third spot's not looking too bad. But like you said, you never know. Let's stay patient. Free agency hasn't even technically started yet. This is just a legal tampering period. So to Corey Lindsley's former team, the Green Bay Packers, they had just re-signed Aaron Jones to a four-year, $48 million deal. So he actually comes back to Green Bay on a little bit cheaper. He could have gotten way more in the open market. He says he loves to be able to play for the team that he started with. Obviously, we hope that he can end with the Packers. But me personally, as a Packers fan, this has me scratching my head about the A.J. Dillon pick here next year. or Because we could have just re-signed Aaron and gotten Jamal Williams. Now, I'm sure Jamal Williams has a little bit heftier of a price tag than, than Green Bay would, would have wanted to pay for it. Nonetheless, now we got A.J. Dillon cheap. We got Aaron Jones coming in. Obviously, he's a fan favorite. Loved to clock across the locker room. Me, personally, I would have rather seen us sign Corey Lindsley, let Aaron Jones walk, re-sign Jamal Williams, than have that young tandem in the backfield for very cheap. What should we expect from the Packers for the rest of free agency? Then, obviously, leading into the draft. See, that's actually a really good question because, first of all, you were right to bring up the A.J. Dillon pick last year. That's two consecutive first and second round last year that were like, in hindsight, what are you doing? This is the in, in real time, what are we doing? Yeah, in real time too. But it's one of those where at the end of Aaron Rodgers' career, at the end of his prime right now, this is the best championship window you have left as a Packers fan. I would desperately, if I am one of you, if I'm a cheesehead, I want to give Aaron Rodgers a legitimate number two receiver. Nothing against Marquez Valdez, Scantling, nothing against Alan Lazard, but those guys aren't true number twos. If you can go out, especially in this market, because if you haven't noticed yet, as we're recording this, outside of Corey Davis and outside of, uh, who was it that just signed right before we started recording? Oh yeah, Marvin Jones signed to, signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we already we already even harped on Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, there's still a lot of good receivers that are out there. Yeah, and no, like Nelson Aguilar, he came, coming off a great year, and then Kendrick Bourne, he, he's a solid number three. But those guys aren't even the the prime of this wide receiver free agent class right now. Which I feel disrespected for them. There's a lot more established guys, you know, like a like a Kenny Galladay. Or T.Y., A.J. Green. And they're just getting no love. No, I haven't heard a single peep. Well, earlier today on NFL Network, one of the agents for one of the top wide receivers, they didn't disclose who it was or what the name was. They were talking about how the market's just genuinely terrible right now for wide receivers. It's so unfortunate for the players that contracts were up this year because of COVID. Because you're just simply with the lower cap. You're not going to be able to afford these guys like you usually would. So somebody out there, they're going to get deals, man. We're talking about at the end of this wide receiver class right now, you, know, you already brought up Galladay. There's Will Fuller out there. Curtis Samuels out there. Juju Smith-Schuster, wish I could ever say his name. He's still out there. There's plenty of wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton, people are going to get values on this. If I'm a Packers fan... What a better time to actually need a number two wide receiver because you can honestly go out there and get one of these studs for cheap. And if I am a Packers fan, that's without a doubt what I'd be clamoring for going into the, the rest of this offseason, whether that be through free agency. And then you can you can figure out what else you want in the draft, whether that be another edge rusher, whatever, so be it. But I guess you're a Packers fan. I, I know that you when you were texting me, you had mixed emotions about Aaron Jones. And that's understandable. I hate paying running backs myself, too. 
Is wide receiver your main focus the rest of this free agent period? Or is there another position that you would really like to see kind of solidified? With all those names, how could you how can how do they not look enticing with the contracts that we're gonna have to give them, which are cheap? And with Green Bay's salary cap, which is just an absolute dumpster fire right now, that'd be great. Wolf Fuller's obviously the first name that pops up into my mind because there was a lot of trade speculation before the trade deadline this year. So why not try to bring him back? Obviously, AJ Green has always been a rumor since last year when they or a couple years ago when they got in a whole new coaching staff. I think a complimentary receiver for Devontae is absolutely needed because all eyes are going to be on him this year because he was clearly the best wide receiver in the in the league last year outside of, you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, arguably DeAndre Hopkins. As and you well. can still make a case Devontae had a better year. I know that Diggs had more yards. But with what Adams was actually doing, and he's going against the number one corners all the time, I know that Diggs did too. But it just felt different. Adams he felt was like torching. a great year. He was torching Jalen Ramsey. He's torching all these number one receivers. So having someone opposite of him would honestly, Corey Davis would have been nice. Throw him in the slot. But speaking on having a complimentary, I would not mind getting a complimentary cornerback for Jair Alexander, who outside of Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in the league. A Patrick Peterson, a Richard Sherman. I personally would not want Richard Sherman coming off an Achilles injury. He's old. He's mostly, you, you don't want him man-to-man at his age with that previous injury. Plus, New Orleans is getting a lot of chatter that they are going to sign him. So, compliment Devontae or compliment Jair. I would prefer Jair because defensively, Kevin King looking at you, bud, we need a lot of help with that second cornerback. Where as opposed to the offensive side, you know, we have Aaron Jones who likes to catch the ball out of the backfield. Robert Tanyan has a second round tender on him that most likely mm-hmm. no one else will touch. So he's coming back to Green Bay. And your point, Al, Al Lazard, he may, he may not even be back, but Marquez Valdez-Scanlon, drop problems, you know, very inconsistent, not a great route runner. He just He's just a fly route guy. So I'm going to go with getting that number two receiver as well. And a little bit sadder news. We're watching a legend walk away here, Walter. Drew Brees deciding to retire from the NFL and the New Orleans Saints, where he spent 15 of his 20-year career there. He's going to finish finish first in passing yards. Don't worry, Tom Brady's right behind him. Uh, Drew Brees with 80,538. Tom Brady's got 79,204. So he'll get about halfway through the season. Finishes second in touchdowns, 571. Passing yards per game at 280 and completion percentage at 67.7. Only behind Deshaun Watson at 67.8, if I am not mistaken. And he's third and fourth quarter comebacks with 36. Drew Brees is already slated to join the NBC Football Night in America as an analyst. So he's not wasting any time to get right back in football one way or another. Pulling the heartstrings a little bit. We're watching Drew Brees go out of there. The corniest, corniest quarterback in the NFL right now, in my eyes. Oof, I don't know. Russell Wilson's right there on the corniest oh, yeah, NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah. corniest white NFL quarterback. There you go. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a little bit bittersweet, I felt like. I was happy to see him ultimately hang it up, though, because I didn't want to see him be one of these guys that hangs on a year or two too long. It already felt Which like... already felt... Yeah, yeah exactly. it felt like he was a off, year... Sorry. No, you're good. It already felt like it was a year too long. But he, he just... He's not the same guy anymore. This also helps alleviate a little bit of the cap hell that New Orleans is in right now. He signed that restructure of his deal to spread it out before he ultimately retired. But I was, I'm was i going to be honest, I was nervous about a month ago, or the last month, I suppose. He's, I mean, we're about 50 days removed from the Super Bowl. I didn't think there was a chance in hell we'd wait this long to hear his retirement announcement. Well, especially when we saw that. We saw him doing that workout video of him pushing the sled twice as, twice as far as what everyone else in the class were doing. So... Right when you see that, you're like, "This guy can't retire, right?" I, know. I guess he was just getting re- he was just getting ready for uh, you know being analytical. Well, he's uh, getting ready to night. fight. What is it, uh, Rodney Harrison and uh, Tony Dungy on Sunday night NBC? So that that'll he'll do good at that job for the record. Yeah, I mean, you got to see already what Tony Romo is doing with CBS. It's a little bit different of a role. He's not color commentator. Instead, he's doing a little analyst work, like you said. But he's going to be phenomenal at that. The guy has a great knowledge of the game which is so evident if you have any idea of watching football in general when with him on the field the guy's 
he's basically an artist out there. He knows what he's doing. And it's a shame that this last year happened. But that's not going to diminish what he did in the 15, 20 years prior to that. He's uh, the best Saints quarterback ever. He brought the city a championship. It's a shame there couldn't be more in there. But when, unfortunately, you're playing in the same era as Tom Brady, who's freaking been, what, the, the 10 or whatever, and he's won seven of them. It, there's only so much you can do, but I'm very happy for him. I hope he enjoys his retirement, and I hope that he stays in New Orleans. It sounds like he's a fixture there, and he loves the city as much as they love him. I mean, that's a city that gave him a chance. Then San Diego Chargers, he was a, he was a quarterback for them. He had a little bit of an injury, shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So they cut ties with him. Obviously, the biggest mistake that they made because they let – or who, who went on to replace him? Phillip Rivers. Didn't really end uh, end the way that we want, especially with that ugly ass throwing motion. But whatever, he can he can throw that dick around for enough kids that he's that he's supporting. Let's go with the AFC North here, Wally. So we're not talking about too much of uh, quarterbacks' penises. We'll start with the Cleveland Browns. They improved their secondary. Unfortunately, missed out on the first wave of edge rushers to pair up with Miles Garrett. They signed the former Ram safety John Johnson to a four year, thirty three point seven five million dollar deal. That's just about it. A, lo- a lot of trade. Imagine this: a lot of talks about potentially trading Odell here in the offseason, coming off an ACL injury. Looks like they're saving their money, but for what? It's funny that we say that. We're looking at our sheet right now, where we prepare beforehand. One of the names we had on there was Takaris Tack McKinley. I don't know how to say Takaris McKinley. I, I think. think you got it. All right, cool. Well, everybody, or at least I do. People that are big draft heads like me, I remember his profanity-laden draft day speech with Deion Sanders, talking about where he came from and all that. And I loved this fire then. I know some people weren't. He had three really good seasons in Atlanta before ultimately he had a little bit of injury history. It's kind of tough to play also on a team that's just getting shelled every single weekend, week in, week out. The thing that weirded me out about this is he did get claimed twice last year by Cleveland. Ironically enough, the Raiders uh, also claimed him as well. And he failed physicals. So it'll be interesting to see if he's in physical shape to be able to actually play for these teams. I believe it was a one-year, $4 million deal. They did the right things. They're they're addressing the defense right now. I really don't think that Odell's going to get traded. I think this is a Browns team that really, really feels dangerous right now. If the Browns get what the Falcons saw from Takaris McKinley when he was at UCLA... I think he could have a revival of his career right now, especially when you do have Garrett on the other side. We'll get into other players that benefited from having a real elite pass rusher opposite of them. But you got to see that with other teams, even in the division, how much that can elevate someone's play. So I'm really excited for the Browns. You're not going to hear me hide it. I really do think this team, that the Cleveland Browns, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the Cleveland Browns realistically could be a Super Bowl threat this next year. <laughs> what? Well, okay, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Let's let's wait till free agency actually starts, and we'll do some predictions and go from there. We'll keep it in the state. The Bengals, absolute shit show right now. They didn't tag Carl Lawson or William Jackson. Nothing. <laughs> Missed out on Joe Thune. What the hell is going on in Cincinnati right now, Wally? God, the Joe Thurney miss was so big because everybody that had been trying to defend not franchise tagging Carl Lawson or William Jackson III, it was, you know what? This is good. They're going to be able to delegate this money to Joe Thurney. He's from Southwest Ohio. He's from 40 minutes from Cincinnati. He has Joey Burrow in Cincinnati there. Everything was there. They offered him a ton of money. And what's he do? He goes to the, the wagon out west in Kansas City they pay five years, $80 million, which is insane money for a guard. I understand that. But if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you have to realize this isn't fun. That rival of yours up north had to deal with this for the last decade. When you're not good, you have to overpay people to come play for you, especially when you're in a city like Cincinnati or Cleveland. That's the facts. It's not me hating on them. We both love Ohio. We're sitting right here in the middle of the two of them right now. But it's the facts, and you have to face it. Now, well, then you have well, don't Kansas City? That's why they're overpaying for Joe Thune because they are trying to protect Pat Mahomes. They just let go 
Both are starting tackles. Mm-hmm. There's no indication for bringing them back. They're injury-ridden right now this past season. So they needed to overpay for that, man. Well, and the way the salary cap is make-believe every year, we're going to end up finding out Trent Williams will be signed by the Chiefs by the time this comes out tomorrow or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not ready for anything. I, I Whatever. That's fine. The one thing that confused me, though, is last night it finally felt like they made a few moves – or they started making moves. They brought in Trey Hendrickson, which – to me, it felt like a little bit of a step down from Carl Lawson. I know you get the extra year, and that's nice. But Trey Hendrickson's also a guy that he's playing predominantly on pass downs only. He's not an every down kind of defensive end. So that kind of confused me with how much money they were willing to give him. But today, they did address their secondary needs. And with a couple decent signings that I liked a little bit more, you had... What is it? Ch- two Beauty Awuzier from Dallas. I can never say his first oh, name. You're going to get it better than I am. So Yes, but they got Awuzier, and then they signed Mike Hilton coming from their rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was good because you kind of killed two birds, one stone. Steelers are in cap hell right now. They can't bring him back. Not only do you take a little bit of talent off of that secondary, you bolster your own at the same time that's familiar with that team and that division. So that's helpful. The Bengals, they still have some moves to go. That offensive line needs to get better, and it needs to get better fast. Otherwise, to me, I don't care how good this defense is. If you are unable to protect Joe Burrow, this offseason was an unmitigated disaster to me. I'm shocked right now. I really thought that he was going to go there. That felt like such a swing and a miss, but who knows? We're talking about guys like Trent Williams. There's still some decent... Offense alignment out there. You got Kyle Long, who I still think is going to go to the Raiders, being a Raiders legacy. But I, I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not in love with what the Bengals did so far. They got better on defense in the secondary. I think they took a step back with the edge rusher. But all in all, I'm going to give them a little bit more time before I say this was a complete disaster. It is. If you're not going to protect your number one asset, your best player on your football team. And you're just going to set him up for failure. The only reason Dak Prescott is getting all this money is because of how great his offensive line is. And obviously the running game that they had there. You got to get the O-line. We see – imagine – just imagine how much better Russell Wilson could be if he got to stay in the pocket for actually four to five seconds instead of running for his life half half his plays during the season. Flip it over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your Pittsburgh Steelers, Wally, as you're wearing a Penguins. Uh, sweater. I'm only assuming you're a big Steelers guy. Uh-huh. Now they now they have lost Tyson Alalu, Tyson Alu Alu, Alu Alu, Bud Dupree, Matt Filer. They did retain Cameron Sutton for a two year nine million dollar contract. A little bit tight on money, less than four mil from the cap. But Bud Dupree going out and getting paid from the Tennessee Titans, I thought was pretty questionable. It's coming off the ACL injury, that's not typically how you want to pay a player. But he went and got the bag. Good for him. They, they're bringing back Big Ben on a little bit smaller of a contract. Juju Smith-Schuster looks like basically is out of there. He has told his teammates he should they should not expect him to return. So how are we feeling about the Steelers going in going into the 2021 season? Because I think they are not going to be they're they're going to be the same team the last five weeks of the season. I know a, a bunch of my buddies in Pittsburgh listen to this that are Steelers fans, and you guys know me. I really really try to remove bias, good and bad from this. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I know a lot of Pittsburgh fans are talking themselves into the Steelers team, talking themselves back into Big Ben, convincing themselves that Fickner was a problem last year and it wasn't Big Ben's basically declining arm and declining ability. I don't believe that. I think that, yeah, Fickner was, was definitely part of the problem. They need to be able to actually run the ball a little more. The offensive line needs to get better. It's not all on Big Ben. But you can also look in the mirror and acknowledge Big Ben's not what he used to be at the same time. This team's not going to be better on day one of the 2021 season than they were on day one of the 2020 season. And that's where my hang-up with this team is. They they can't physically get better right now because they're hampered by the cap. Big Ben can take that reduced contract all he wants. Yeah, it helped out and you were able to get Cameron Sutton back. But at the end of the day, I mean, we, we talked about you lose – Tyson Alualu, Bud Dupree, Matt Fire, and then now you lose Hilton as well. This is a team that's going to have to figure some things out on the fly. They're going to have to hope that defense stays healthy like it was not able to do in the second half of last season. I think this is the beginning of the end for the 
I don't know if I'd call them elite, but that top tier Big Ben Steelers team that we've been used to for 15 years. And I, I honestly, we're going to get into it in a minute. I think that you're going to be able to say much of the same about that Baltimore Ravens team too. Baltimore losing two of their pass rushers in the free agency market here the last couple of days. Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Judon. <laughs> the Raiders. There you go. I know that. I know we were, first of all, thank you for teaching me how to say that name. <laughs> Second of all, I know that the Raiders were really high on them in the draft originally when he was coming out of college. And now they're able to kind of pull the trigger and get him on your team. So I know that you're pumped. Following their trend of being very quiet early on here in the free agency, they've only signed Kevin Zittler. Zeitler? Zeitler. They, they have only signed Kevin Zeitler to a three-year $22.5 million deal. But they typically focus on the second and third tier free agents that they have here. So mixed in with Orlando Brown Jr., who has been requesting a trade because he wants to play his true position of left tackle. I fucking got you on that one, Wally. I'll pose it. I'll leave, I'll leave it here. Uh, I'll leave it here with you. So, how, so Wally, how do we feel about the Ravens losing two key contributors to their defense here in the offseason? You know, that pass rush mixed with this problem with their offensive linemen. Kind of was hinting at it before we were talking about the Steelers. But this is a Ravens team that I think is going to take a pretty firm step backwards this next year. You can't lose two very key pieces at edge like you lose an Ngakwe and you lose a Judon. And that's unfortunate for them. I know that they only got Ngakwe halfway through the year. And it's a lot harder in football, I feel like, than other sports to jump into a new locker room and excel right away. Learning the system on the fly is difficult. And it's just not an ideal situation. But that said, you lose two really, really talented edge rushers. That's a problem. And then you mentioned, I know I had Ronnie Stanley on here, but I was thinking Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown is, like you said, he's unhappy right now. Whether or not they choose to move on from him, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't think they probably will. I think they're going to do everything they can to bring him back, whether or not that happens. If they lose him, that's, again, a very significant loss. This is a team that depends solely on that rush attack. They're going to be in that wide receiver market. You mentioned that they are kind of one of those patient teams at free agency every year where they typically like to wait until the market's kind of set in value and then they go and get their their guy that they have. They find basically a diamond in a rough and they can pay him a lot less. And it's been obviously successful for them in the last 20 years. Zeitler's a good addition, but this rush attack, at some point, the NFL is going to figure it out. DBs, defense alignment, all these guys are getting faster by the day. If Lamar Jackson can't figure out how to throw the ball a little bit more effectively this next year, I think it's going to be a very mediocre year, similar to Pittsburgh, where this is going to be a team hovering around the 8-8 eight and eight record, possibly 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight, depending if we go to 17 games. But I, I don't know. Oh, that just sounds so weird. It does. I, I felt gross kind of saying it, honestly. As it sits, the Browns are winning free agency, and they haven't done very much. And it's just simply they haven't lost people like the two other contenders in this league have. Obviously, we have not been able to get to all the free agents here. They are coming in as we're recording this podcast. There will be more especially official here tomorrow. Very extremely limited quarterback market right now. I mean, Andy Dalton is topping our charts of quarterbacks getting signed. But the wide receiver market is something that we need to keep an eye on. To your point, you know, we have all these guys getting signed, but we have a bunch of wide receivers that are still open up up here on the market. Outside of Corey Davis, all of the top wide receivers are basically still on the market. We got Kenny Galladay, he's 27. Will Fuller's 27. Curtis Samuel, he's 25. Juju. Then you got a then you got a bunch of, you know, second and third tier guys. Well, they basically already got signed. Between Nelson Aguilar, we got Kendrick Bourne. Marvin Jones, I think, is up there. I think he's on the bottom of the first yeah, tier. Yeah, he's either top of the second or he's the bottom of the first. But there's still a lot of talent on here. And, you know, Kenny, I, Will Fuller, I get between the injuries and the suspension. Curtis Samuel was an absolute dog for the Panthers. I don't even know why he has not been talked about yet. For you, what was your best move and what was your worst move that you think so far of the free agency? Well, okay, so with for me, I'm going to go with my worst move first so I can end on positivity. That's who I am. So Fuck my worst that. move, oh, it's who I am. you got to embrace do, it. I'm just going to do two worst moves so I can be 
extremely negative. Perfect. I'll only do my best moves. I'll tell every, but every pick was a good one. That's how I'll start t- doing this. A plus draft grade for every team in that league. At least you're trying. All right, Oprah. <laughs> so, anyways, my worst. Move. Hey, let me stop you there. And if uh, obviously you guys are gonna get this tomorrow, uh, the Buffalo Bills and Emmanuel Sander agree to a one year deal. I like that. It's like an old Stephon Diggs mixed mixed with the Stephon Diggs, and then you got Cole Beasley still in there. They had just released John Brown. They they just they have all the same wide receivers, incrementally better. But they're the same position. So this is ironic because we're literally, what, 15 seconds off of talking about how slow the wide receiver free agency class is. And then you're like, oh, hey, look at that. The wide receiver signed. But not one of these guys. That was another guy that we didn't have on the list. Well, also think about Emmanuel Sanders this way. Talk about a mercenary for hire now. This is in his last, what, three years? He's been in Denver. He's been in San Francisco. He's been in New Orleans. Not even. It's a year and a half, two years. And he's he got traded. And he's been effective in each of those stops. It's not like he's gone anywhere and it's just like he's left a little bit to be desired. He's done well. And with Josh Allen and with Stephon Diggs, with, with Cole Beasley, you could make a case, too, that he might have another really solid season. And there's no reason to believe he won't after watching what Stephon Diggs did in his first year in that situation. But you asked me what my favorite free agency move was so far in my least favorite. Again, I will start with my least favorite. Not to dog Tennessee right now. I hated the Bud Dupree contract for multiple reasons. It's a ton of money, first of all. I believe it was five years, $85 million. He's coming right off, as you mentioned, a torn ACL in the latter part of the year. And I know that medicine's so great that he should be back in time for the start of the year. You would hope that he doesn't kind of fall off in any way, but he also doesn't have TJ Watt on the other side of him like he has for the last few years. It's very easy to to forget that Bud Dupree, even two or three years ago, a lot of people in Pittsburgh were like, wow, this guy just never freaking panned out for us. He's not doing anything. He had he never, I believe, had six sacks in a season until 2019. So you have to wonder, is this he's just gotten a lot better or is this a byproduct of the players around him and how great that Steelers defense was from top to bottom. So as Tennessee, would you want to bring back to Davion Clowney? He did not have a great year, but I don't think he recorded a sack last year. He did not. He had four tackles for loss. That's it. That's incredible. How many games he played? Not that many either. Well, not the full 16 at least. And everybody, it seemed like was clamoring for him at the start of the year too, because everybody's like, he's going to get some, like really manageable deal because he sat out and waited so long. And thank God for the teams like Cleveland that did manage to avoid him. I don't know if I'd want him back. If I if I did get him back, it certainly wouldn't be at that thirteen to sixteen million dollar clip that he was kind of wanting before. Well you can you can kiss that goodbye. There's no way I would be surprised if a team is going to even pay ten to eleven million for him right now. Because again, you 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 hear me say it all the time. What have you done for me lately? And that's miss game, get zero sacks after paying you a pretty decent first year contract. If they can get him on an affordable deal, sure. It's just a matter of what's he going to get. And I'm sure that a lot of people are calling because there is still that freak athlete in there. And he is only 28 years old. It feels like he's one of those guys that has been around for a million years, but he's not even 30 yet. So he has time to put it all together. This is a guy that's four years younger than J.J. Watt. And we're acting like J.J. Watt still has prime years in front of him. I do want to transition, though, because you did ask me about my favorite move, too. And I do. I have like three or four moves I really wanted to touch on here. I really want to do Yannick and Gawkway with the Raiders, but I'm going to hold off. Just use your imagination how excited I am about Yannick and Gawkway. Oh, get that out of my face, Wally. It's I can't. And it, opposite of Max Crosby, I can't help myself. Yeah, that's going to be a fun duo right there. It should be. And all of a sudden, maybe that can help out that secondary that's been historically inept in the last few years. I hope it does because, man, that offense deserved better last year. But my favorite move, if I'm going to kind of twist my arm and, and kind of be smart about it, it would probably be Corey Lindsley. You get that prime interior offense alignment at a, a cheaper clip than a Joe Thune. Joe Thune being a very good guard in his own right. But Lindsley, he can play center or guard. You can have him bounce out if you ever felt the need to, if you had a center and maybe had a little bit of a deficiency at guard. 
I love that interior lineman move. This is a Chargers team that showed a lot of promise last year, as they have for the last 10 years. The key for them is to going to be to staying healthy. But Lindsley, like we were talking about, Packers fans love him for a reason. This guy has been nothing but freaking clutch and solid since he's come up from the Ohio State University and college. Guy's been phenomenal. I think it's a great move for the Chargers. And I think that going forward, this is a Chargers team that is going to eventually make a push for being that 12-4 and or 12-5, and I guess, with 17 games right in that range. Not you, next you year. That fucking seventeenth game. I can't. I can't get over the idea in my head. It probably won't happen next year, but they're they're not that far away. When you have a quarterback at that level, you have to protect him. They're going to do everything they can not to get him. Joe Burrowed in his second year. Ooh, I know. I didn't. I, I didn't want that. I love Joe Burrow. I hope he comes back and he looks better than ever. But great move. The Chargers, I was stuck. I almost did Joe Thune. Chargers and Chiefs, both solidifying that line right now. They still have pieces they need to add, but at least they didn't miss on day one like the Bengals, and now they're kind of left to scramble. What are your favorite and your least favorite move of free agency so far? So my best move, well, first off, the Corey Lindsley was definitely up there for me. It was in between this and the other one I'm going with. But, yeah, you, anytime you can add an all-pro lineman to a very young offense and help guide your second-year quarterback, that's a win in itself. Now, Joe Thune, I love that deal. Now, money-wise, absolutely not. But we know the Kansas City Chiefs need offensive line help. doesn't matter if it's the tackles or the guards. They'll take anyone at this point. They got their guy in Joe Thune at the guard to help Pat Mahomes. So that's all you can ask for, at least for the interior rush. Looking at you, Shaq Barrett. Looking at you, Levante David. Looking at you, Devin White. Sleep. They will be good. Now, the worst move, which I'm surprised we did not even harp on this when when we were talking about the New Orleans Saints, but Taysom Hill signs a four-year, $140 million deal that is actually every single year that is voidable, a.k.a. you fuck up once, you're gone, we don't lose any money, you're not getting any money, which that's technically not a free agent. And on the other hand, you bring in Jameis Winston for a one-year up to $12 million deal, so... On paper, in theory, you're paying two quarterbacks $47 million of your of your uh, salary cap potentially, and how much of those are even playing out. We'll, we'll see how Jameis Winston is. Taysom Hill, they're taking a – I don't even know why he's getting that much money. How could you turn that down? Dude, Sean Payton's in love with him. And he's got a great, great agent. <laughs> no kidding. Man, he, he's falling way too in love. Those are my best moves – or my best move, my worst move. Of all these remaining free agents, which one is sticking out to you the most? And you're so surprised that we're even having this name. Okay, outside of wide receiver, I should say. So outside of these big names, obviously, but some of the big names that we do have here outside of the outside of the skill positions, who are you most surprised about still on this list? Oh, that's tough. I really wanted to say Curtis Samuel until you threw that stipulation in there. But I, I will go with I know it's kind of a cop out because everybody has him the top guy on their board even going into this. But Trent Williams not having a deal yet. I think he's being smart. He's letting other alignment go out and set the market. He's 33 years old. You're going to have teams use that against him in this contract discussion. But the problem is for teams is there's enough out there that are desperate at tackle that will overpay a guy like him for three years. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You see a guy like him pull like three years, 60 plus million the way he is. I think that a team's going to get really lucky. This guy works hard. He's a phenomenal talent at tackle. Someone's going to get really lucky with him. I'm just really hoping that that's not in AFC West unless he's in silver and black. And I don't know where the money's coming from. Well, you know how you know how your Raiders are with their offensive linemen recently. I wouldn't. Uh... Well, yeah, they'll they'll sign Trent Williams and cut him the next day just because. Yeah, just because they can. Just because they can. Well, Wally, that's going to bring us here to the end of another episode of Loss of Down, the free agency edition. Trust me here, guys. Next week, we are going to have a bunch of other free agents that we do need to talk about. And potentially. Potentially. Not going to drop any names, but we might have our first interview. We may have the first one. And if not, we'll at least be in the 
the movements of getting it done. It's just a matter of getting this person's schedule to match up with all. Absolutely. I mean, you you guys know me. I'd be sliding the DMs a lot, trying to get a lot of people to answer. So hopefully we can lock this guy up. I think he'd be a real fun addition to the interview and a, and a good one to uh, pop the old cherry. For oh. sure. And that's all it takes. You get that one interview, then we start dropping more. More people are willing to come on if we do a good job. You guys go out and share our stuff. That goes a long way for us. We'll be able to do more fun stuff and get you guys more involved, too. We just need that jump start from you guys. Make sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. You've got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook and Instagram, at Loss of Down. We have Twitter, down underscore loss. Wally, before I kick you out of my house, you got any last words? Ohio State's going to absolutely bum rush Oral Roberts. That's a college. Oral Roberts. Done. Ohio State runs them. Then they're going to beat up on Florida, too. See you next weekend, the Sweet 16. Syracuse in that 2-3 zone about to make some noise. Watch out for my boy Buddy Beheim and Quincy Garrier and our freshman Kadari Richmond about to cause some problems. He is Wally Lukashevsky. I am Steve Weed. And until next week, we are lost of down. Awake. Fuck you.